podcast sponsored again by the hope that Sheck West will appear on the podcast at some point. I'm Donovan and as per usual co-host and just all around great guy Ryan is here with me. Ryan how are you today? No I'm doing well Donnie. Today is June 12th at time of recording. Obviously the listeners are at a future date so we we are actually like time travelers right now. How does that make you feel Donnie? Yeah, you're the biggest time traveling fan alive so it's like I mean I guess I'm with it. I'll, I'll support it. Um uh, I don't know if this is necessarily time travel, but you know we'll go with it. I, I'm definitely with it. I mean, it's 2020, so I feel like if there's ever a year where you don't want to time travel to, we picked a bad one. So even though the listeners are in the future, maybe yeah, yeah, maybe I, it's not 2020, but probably probably is if we're being honest. So still kind of sucks. Yeah, if if you're in 2021 listening to this, I hope you're having a better day than what we've we've had here. Um, the last couple months have been very weird. Um, but besides that, we have other uh, sports to talk about, so that's that's a big dub at least. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 creeping into the territory of sports coming back, Donnie. I mean, last week we talked about the NBA and their return to play protocol. We actually found out that we are moving up that date instead of July 31st, like we mentioned uh, on the podcast last week. It's actually July 30th, the NBA said. So we get one day earlier of NBA, like, the presumption to play. So that was huge news, obviously, one day sooner. I mean, what more could you really ask for? Yeah, and you know, it's like it seems like we're getting dates for the NHL now. Um, the MLB is still as far away as ever, maybe further away now than they have been like previous weeks. So that's that's a fun time. Yeah, the MLB negotiations actually. Well, while you bring that up, Donnie, I it, it's it's really interesting because it seems like there's proposals back and forth between the league and the players, and they can't even get the number of games right. So it just seems like a total disaster. I mean, obviously. We hope that there is a season at some point, but the players seem to really want the full prorated salaries, and um, the the MLB league just hasn't come to that agreement. So um, I know we'll talk about uh, Rob Manfred a little bit later when we answer some of our questions, but um, definitely interesting there. But yeah, I mean, it seems like the the news that is most significant for me uh, that has come out in the past week relates to Iowa football. Obviously, um, I if you did not know, I'm a student at the University of Iowa. This will be my senior year coming up, so uh, I'm definitely familiar with the program. I've gone to a lot of games, obviously, in the past few seasons, so um, to hear about some of that is really interesting. Donnie, I'm actually curious. I want to hear what your take is on Iowa football before I kind of go into what I kind of think and view of of the allegations that have come out against the program, but um, I'm curious to hear how you would kind of sum up what what you know about uh, the allegations that have come out. Well, let's let's discuss what the allegations first are. I think that's probably a good place to start. Um, we we've had maybe some, I don't know exactly what you would call it, but uh, definitely missteps on on, on treatment of players. Um, there's there's some slight issues as as pertaining to the strength coach primarily. Um, but we we've had some. Some more shocking than anything, things coming out. Um, just uh, I think Kirk Ferentz said it was like a blind spot on black players' issues and how black players felt as if they were being marginalized. Um, just in general, in, in their daily lives, it's like th- there were comments on how if somebody came to practice with their shoes tied wrong or something, which I don't know how you tie your shoes wrong, um, or came came to practice with their cornrows out, they would be yelled at or, or as I said before, marginalized. I think that's a really major issue. Um, and I, I think primarily this is probably more of a college football or college sports issue in general, not just an Iowa issue. However, for them to come out about it now, it makes Iowa look really, really bad. 
Um, it's just a, a systematic racism issue um, that we've seen. And I, I think personally, I think we discussed about this, discussed this a little bit before the podcast uh, began, that this is likely a, um, maybe not a universal issue, but very, very uh, similar across other places, especially I'd say in the South, it's probably a little bit worse. Um, but yeah, it's to see people actually come out, college athletes put their lives on the line and come out and speak about how they, they feel as if they've been marginalized and treated poorly by a strength coach and other members of the football management team and football coaching. It, it's crazy to see. Um, honestly, you'd like to think that the, I think the majority of Iowa football players are African-American. And I think that there's over 50 uh, former and current players that have made allegations about uh, just a racist culture in general. And I think that's crazy to think about in 2020, where we're still dealing with not only racism in sports, but racism in general, honestly. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, obviously. Um, really, it just kind of came out in the past week is when um, I started first hearing about it on Twitter of some former Iowa players discussing how kind of the culture just in the, the football program just was a little bit off. I heard some African-American players talk about how it just felt like they were walking on eggshells or just some of the comments that were made really by the entire coaching staff. I mean, you would see different allegations now. Obviously, like, we don't know both sides of the story. So the fact that so many former players came out with things, I'm sure that some of it, you know, is inaccurate or there's another side of the story. But the fact that the overall trends from from the comments that were made from some of the African-American players, I know James Daniels, who's a center for the Bears, Jaleel Johnson, who plays for the Minnesota Vikings, those were two of the more um, outspoken members of this kind of like awareness that was brought up about Iowa football and their culture. I mean, just some of the things that, that were talked about, like the comments that were made uh, towards African-American players um, about maybe like their backgrounds or uh, like you mentioned, Donnie, with, with the cornrows, like there were comments about players' hairs or how they looked or how they dressed. It, it just seemed like the entire Iowa football culture was not built to be a welcome environment for them. And uh, as I was, I was, reading about all this on Twitter, I think some one of the interesting stats that uh, I read about was that um, about 60% of the Iowa African-American football players did not end up graduating at the University of Iowa. They have had so many players who have transferred away from the program entirely or kicked off the team or for whatever reason just weren't able to finish graduating. And the Iowa program, they pride themselves on three things. It's win, it's graduate, it's do it right. And two of those things they didn't even do. Uh, for example, in the 2015 class, Iowa brought in nine black athletes, all but James Daniels and Michael Ojemudia left. Both those players were drafted in the NFL. And of the 12 white players in the recruiting cycle, none left for reasons other than injuries, academics, or personal reasons before graduating. So I just read that off HawkeyeNation.com. I mean, that's just really staggering to hear that. Obviously, so many African-American players were uncomfortable with the culture that goes on at Iowa. And the fact that so many were outspoken when these issues came out, it really just shows that there is a significant issue at hand um, that the Iowa culture is, is really dealing with. Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to see if anybody else comes out, any other teams come out and, uh, you know, figure out, talk, talk about some potential issues that they've had in their uh, specific organization. Because, I mean, like, college football is a very, it's very click-oriented and, I, I do still believe that there's uh, likely racism issues elsewhere, like I said, uh, in the South primarily. I would assume that there, there are other um, players that, that have felt marginalized or uh, dealt with systematic racism over their times. Obviously, it's not every organization, not every uh, not every football team is going to deal with these problems. But you have to think, if, if Iowa's dealing with a problem this uh, significant, this severe, 
there's got to be other problems um, just in general with, with how college football and college sports work. Um, I, I tend to believe that the majority of coaches are still white, and, and within that, obviously, the majority of white people are not racist and, and do not have these uh, these terrible features that go with them, just like the same way how, how black people are not bad people, how Hispanics, Asians, all that. Uh, the majority of people are good people. However, you're going to have bad apples, and I do think with how click-oriented college football and college sports in general are, um, we could see many more problems like this come out. It's like I think there, there's obviously been talk in, in prior years on how mistreatment has been uh, a, a semi-common theme that you see uh, with coaches being fired and all that. However, um, you don't really hear much about systematic racism and how uh, black players feel like they're marginalized and, and just had to walk uh, walk around campus on eggshells, like you said. Um, I think that's uh, that, that's dangerous, if anything. That's that's a scary reality to a lot of players that are looking to get um, make a future for themselves, especially because a lot of these players come from backgrounds that are not the prettiest in the world. It's like the, these guys have been through a lot. And if, if you're talented enough to get a D1 scholarship on a, on a major uh, a major football team, it's like you should be thinking, oh, this is this is the next step into creating a future for me, my family, and my my future family. You know, it's like we're we're at a point where, especially in 2020, with with how much fuckery has gone on in this this country, um, there has to be some sort of steps towards taking a change. And I mean, sports is as big of an issue as anywhere. It's like you saw Tory Hunter come out the other day say he would never want to play in Boston because he was called the N word dozens of times. Uh, by fans just sitting in the outfield it's like that's that shows itself there is a problem everywhere it's a major issue everywhere it's not just certain like small problems here and there it's like we have a culture problem in the country and and in sports in general yeah it is really interesting i think with the iowa program looking at that i see both positives and negatives this i i think when i look at the positives the program has already come out and announced like they're definitely going to try to make changes but with the fact that really the only tangible thing that has changed so far to this point is they've put their strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle on uh, paid leave for now. And a lot of the players were, were unhappy with that, but it wasn't just him that, that received, uh, you know, some of the allegations from former players, head coach, Kirk Ferentz, offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz, defensive coordinator, Phil Parker. I mean, so many different coaches, there were allegations of them making comments that would make some African-American players uneasy. And the fact that there's already kind of a reputation for for Iowa recruiting that players will transfer away if African-American or they've even had recruits decommit because they've been uncomfortable with the Iowa culture. That really hurts your recruiting. And for them to not uh, decide to, to fire Kirk Ferentz or make like a more significant move as a result of these allegations, they're just kind of kind of move forward and, and try to be better as a result of it. I can understand why you do that. But at the same time, the reputation of your, of your program is at stake. You really have to make a significant effort towards changing it and really they talked about creating a a panel of of captains and and former players to get more feedback but I think it's going to take more than that for the for the fact that there were former players talking about issues that they had with coaches who are still on the staff who still have significant roles as coordinators or head coach I think it's going to be difficult to to completely get rid of it but um, it seems like they are making some steps in the right decision obviously like you talked about it's just kind of a countrywide thing that we're trying to trying to adjust and be better as a result of but um, it, it, it's, it's just kind of interesting that I still see, uh, both sides of this situation where, um, it's good that they're going to try to start making changes, but I, I question if they haven't done enough, um, significant to, to respond to, uh, what's come out in the past week.
there's other schools that have come out recently. Did you see what happened in Texas? Uh, the Texas, Texas athletes came out uh, maybe today, maybe yesterday, um, talking about how they want like dozens of changes uh, at the start of the fall semesters. I think that's extremely interesting to think about too. It's like, if this is going to happen with Iowa, it's going to happen everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you would think, and I, I would say another positive for the Iowa program is so many players did come out and say it, and, and it seems like the Iowa program is listening to them to try to make changes for the better. I mean, not every program had that. I'm sure there are a ton of former players that dealt with similar situations at other programs but are not still able to, to come out and talk about it um, publicly or with as big a platform. So I would say that's a positive for the Iowa program, but um, it is still interesting that, that some of the coaches that still have big power are, you know, have allegations against them. Is, is there a significant culture change that's going to come with the same people who, who have allegations against them? So um, it, it is really interesting and, and I'm sure it's going to come out with other schools as well. Um, just given the fact of the nature of how college football works, it, it's very similar across um, the landscape of Division One. especially uh, when you get to these really big programs, there's a lot at stake. So uh, it's really interesting. I'm sure we're going to get a lot more news about um, this and, and how it goes on at other programs as well in the coming weeks. But um, it's definitely interesting. It, it's it's a new story. It, it's very current events with um, what's going on in this country, as Donnie mentioned. So I'm um, definitely glad that we got to touch on this for a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, just adding on one last thing, um, I think you have to hope that it's just more than just a PR stunt. Uh, we see a lot of PR stunts and, and then everything ends up going back to normal or uh, similar uh, to how they were before. I don't see the strength coach keeping his job at this point if he's the main um, the main antagonist of, of the whole situation obviously you don't want to root for anybody to lose their job however if you have a, a major problem um and i mean if like if you have four or five dozen ex-players and current players talking about it it's an issue it's something that should have been stopped years ago this is not something that, that's recent not something that's new not something that's just like not serious if he talks like this to everybody it's like you get to a point where as you said 60 percent of, of their student athletes transfer it's like how is that not something that you've you've discussed in in prior years? And I mean, you have to think that there's somebody has said something to him at some point, right? Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I definitely think Kirk Ferentz like he's got to take responsibility for this. There's there's no way anything goes on with the other program that Kirk Ferentz is not aware of. So um, I don't think I really buy him um, completely being ignorant to this fact. But it seems like he is willing to change. So I will give him that credit and and willing to listen to to what other people have to say. But I mean, of, of the tangible things they've changed so far, they also added that now they're football players. There was previously a ban that they could not have Twitter accounts. Um, they were able to use Instagram, but so that's kind of weird that they only had a restriction on Twitter. But th that, it's good that they're allowing that. There was a lot of uh, current players who were talking about that on social media, releasing statements, um, the fact that they're so much more united as a team. But at the same time, it's it's only been a week. So it was kind of strange for me, at least, to hear on the press conference that all the players were like, this is the closest this group has ever been. Now, I'm going to say I'm not a member of the football team. I don't really know. But it's just kind of interesting that you've only been a team, really, for a few days after we got back and everyone's together. The fact that you're all saying, oh, everything's good now, I'm kind of skeptical. Like, we'll see, obviously, how it plays out when, when football returns, how they actually are united. If they go out and have a undefeated season, obviously, great job. But the, we're still having the same coaches who, who had issues. So, um, obviously, only time will tell. But um, a lot to digest with this. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely address it still uh, in the coming weeks as more news comes out. But, um, obviously, it's, a, it's an event that's very close to me. Obviously, the school that I go to. So, obviously, not optimal that uh, this was going on. But... Um, if they can learn from it and be better from it, I think that's really all you should be looking for, as is the case with so many other people. Um, 
going on with what's going on here in the events of uh, of this year so far. Yeah, um, I think it's about time that we move on to something a little bit less uh, touchy at this point and discuss uh, what we've heard in recent days about the NBA and NHL and MLB. I think uh, primarily the NBA, nothing has really changed. They just moved up their dates a little bit, and they have more set-in-stone dates. Uh, the NHL, they've announced dates for their training camp uh, to begin, which will begin in about three weeks from now, maybe a little Yeah, so July 10th, I believe it was, so three or four weeks from now. Uh, get everybody back to normal because I, I do believe Canadian players that come into the States will have to um, have a two-week quarantine period. I believe that is the mandate. Uh, but into the MLB, where we have maybe the, the most dysfunctional uh, – I don't, I don't even know what you call it at this point. It's not even negotiations. There's no conversation. It's just, again, a word we use a lot on here, fuckery. Um, so we've had – there's got to have been at least like five or six different – proposals over the last week since we lasted this podcast i think and it's it's crazy to think about how nothing has changed nothing they're even further away than we thought they were yeah i kind of touched on it at the top but it, it the fact that they keep getting hung up on the games number like it's even hard for me to keep up um on twitter with what offer is each team sending it's so much like they're they just seem so far apart they can't come to some common ground on specific number of games or is there a reduction in prorated salary it's just so many issues just just keep clogging these negotiations and it's obviously unfortunate that this is going on i mean MLB, you would think that they should be able to get games back before the NBA and the NHL, but they seem to be coming into play sooner than the MLB is. So um, we'll, we'll obviously have to wait and see what's going on. Not uh, tangible news really to report on, but um, it's just kind of a disaster on the MLB front. So hopefully that can kind of change, but I mean, we haven't really seen anything to this point that would give us reason to believe that. Yeah, what you were talking about, how there's there's you can't even keep up with the proposals. So there was a MLB proposal of 76 games with a major pay cut. Players said no. Uh, they offered an 89-game season without the pay cut, so 13 extra games to make um, get broadcast money and all that. Um, that was not agreed upon. Man, Rob Manfred came in and said, oh, it's 100% there's going to be a season this season which he's the only one that thinks there's 100% uh, possibilities. And then uh, I think they came out yesterday, maybe today, with a 72-game proposal with 70% of prorated salaries and 80% if the postseason is able to be completed. Um, we are very far away. Uh, I've seen multiple people say we're getting to the point where they have to play a 48-game season because they won't be able to agree on anything. It's like, is a 48-game regular season even a season at this point? Like, that's something that I've had, I really have to think about. It's like, you're gonna your regular season is gonna consist of like a month and a half, maybe two months of baseball games, and then you're gonna go to the playoffs. Like, is it worth it at that point? Is there even a reason to to have a season at that point? Yeah, I think that's a great point, especially because the MLB players specifically seem to be the ones that are most outspoken about health issues and like, man, some of us actually don't want to play because uh, we would rather be with our families and be safe and not be forced into into play, especially if their salary was reduced, which it already is prorated, and then the MLB wants to reduce even the prorated salary. So prorated, if you are unsure, it's pretty much just an equivalent result to what a player would make over a 162-game season. So say you cut that down to 48, you get take 48 divided by 162, that rate is what you're multiplying by what the salary of the player gets. So it's significantly going to be reduced. Over 50% of the season is already gone. So these players are asking to give up a lot. So uh, it is definitely going to be interesting. I know you brought up the fact that Rob Manfred said there's going to be a season. Obviously, he's going to say that, I think. I mean, I don't think he's going to be like, there's not going to be a season. So um, it's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it falls. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to sort out. Thanks for, for going over what 
uh, the negotiations work is yeah, it is kind of hard to keep up with with the specific uh, proposals from each side. Yeah, at this point, I think uh, somebody said there's been at least uh, 22 different proposals um, with with revenue splits and all that that are just not agreed upon. There's financial proposals, there's economic proposals, there's safety proposals. Um, while there's a lot of things agreed upon, I think we're at a point where it's like there's so much, they're so far off at this point. And uh, I, I think in, in my specific opinion before we move on here, I think the MLP, MLBPA has full, uh, they, they have full rights here. They, they can do whatever they want. They, they are in the driver's seat. They are dominant in, in what they have to offer. It's like without the MLBPA's agreement, there's no baseball season and the owners lose even more money than what they were going to lose in the first place. So it's like the owners will cave at some point. They're going to make money regardless of what they do, I think. I think at this point um, that needs to be said and people need to understand they will make money. There will be profit. It's going to come in. The MLB is going to make money. Just how much money they're going to make is really the question. That's what uh, what the owners are so worried about right now, which is something that is, um, I, I don't know. At this point, you're getting into where your season would be, I, I don't know, maybe like 60, 65, 70 games in. Um, and we're seeing that's just not, we're not at that level. We haven't played a single game this year. We're so far off to where I think whenever they do start, whenever they do come to an agreement, um, it's going to take at least a month for them to get everything rolling, right? Like it's not like they have people working behind the scenes getting, uh, you know, all, all these hub cities ready and all that. It's like they don't have an agreement on literally anything right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bring up good points. I mean, it's definitely going to take a while, and the fact that negotiations are, are still this far out is, is concerning, but um, we can kind of just hope for the best and uh, follow it as things come out. So uh, I think we kind of covered what's going on latest with those leagues. We can kind of shift our attention to some of the audience questions that we've been asked this week. We actually have quite a few, so thank you to everybody who asked questions. But, um, Donnie, do you want to go off with uh, pick out one for first question here? Sure. Uh, let's discuss uh, the Masterson Trophy in the NHL. Well, I saw this question was interesting. Uh, I wasn't sure exactly how to analyze it without looking at the, the um, people nominated. Uh, it's an award for perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication, and I think we can definitely uh, narrow it down to a couple players. Uh, obviously, Oscar Lindblom fighting uh, Ewing sarcoma, which is bone cancer. Uh, he hasn't played since December. Uh, probably will not play again this season or uh, moving forward uh, for the foreseeable future. Obviously, uh, Jay Bomeister's on that list, uh, who, who you would assume because he, he had uh, surgery where he had to put have a defibrillator put into his... Uh, into his body to restore his heart's rhythm in case uh, he did have a cardiac episode like he did against the Ducks uh, in February. And Bobby Ryan is another one of the favorites. Uh, he admitted uh, alcohol issues, alcohol abuse, and then came back, had a hat trick in his first game back, which is emotional. Um, I think in general, picking picking this award is probably going to be as hard as ever uh, with, with all the things that we've seen, all the dedication, all the o- overcoming adversity we've seen from hockey players this year. Uh, it's like, Oscar Lindblom is fighting cancer right now. Jay Bomeister passed out during a hockey game. And, and I mean, it's like you have other guys like Bobby Ryan come out and admit that they have a problem, that they're depressed and they're they're having issues with alcohol and stuff. It's like, um, I think more than anything, while you don't, you can't, like, discussing a winner is important. I think it's, it's most important to see that, like, th- this will normalize athletes. This brings athletes to, to where they're just, they're normal people like you and I. It's like they deal with health issues. Um, they deal with with depression and anxiety and and alcohol abuse. It's like, I I think it's interesting to touch on, um, that th- there's no real, uh, we don't really have a connection that the human athletes seem more than human. They seem like they are, 
uh, like may- maybe godlike to some people. And it's like just to see that these athletes deal with just terrible, terrible things like we do um, and can overcome, uh, hopefully, uh, in Oscar Lindblom's case at least, um, I think that's a really interesting aspect to look at. And I think more than anything, the Masterton this year will normalize players and make people think about, oh, these guys are more than athletes. They're just they're human beings like me and you and everybody else. Yeah, definitely. I thought you brought that down really well, Donnie. It's kind of funny. We get asked a question about a different NHL award seemingly every week. We talked about the Calder a few weeks ago, so that's kind of funny. But no, I think you definitely brought up a good point in that um, it's really cool that the NHL does this. Obviously, they name all of their awards after uh, former players, so um, kind of gives them that unique feel. And then the Masterton Trophy specifically, it's about dedication, perseverance to hockey. So it, that's not really an award you see you know, in other sports. It's it's not about how you play on the ice. It's how much you love playing the game. So I think you brought down those three candidates very well. I think the first thought for me was definitely Jay Bomeister, um, given the fact that um, he had to be stretched away and his life was in danger in the middle of a hockey game. And then um, obviously you give so much credit to the people in Anaheim that had helped him. And then obviously it should be great to see him hopefully return to the ice soon when um, play resumes or if it's next season, whenever that is. But And then even Bobby Ryan. I think Bobby Ryan's a great story. Um, the fact that he's gone through some struggles in his life, obviously had so much success early in his career in Anaheim. So to kind of come back, that definitely is really um, good to see as well. So Masterson, definitely a cool trophy. Actually, something that I hadn't really considered. So uh, definitely appreciate that question. I thought that was a good choice for you, Donnie. That was from at HelpBreadMan on Twitter. So uh, appreciate that question. Yeah, but, the boy Luke. Uh, yeah, definitely an yeah. interesting talk about it. Yeah, your guy, Rangers fan. Our first question that we got asked from at Edmundo Baller on Twitter, he says, uh, discuss who'd be a worse commissioner between Bud Selig and Rob Manfred. This is something we talked about a little bit before the podcast, Donnie, but what is your thoughts there? I think I know which way you're leaning now. I don't think it's much of a question at this point that Rob Manfred may be the worst commissioner of any of the major organizations in the le- in, in the world right now, the, the major orgs that, um, that we're dealing with, because it's like, man, we are just at a point where I've never felt like there's such like little optimism for, uh, for a baseball season before. It's like, obviously we've dealt with strikes and we've dealt with things like that. Um, but a uh, Bud Selig worked, he was the commissioner for like uh, 27, 28 years. He worked for a, a long time. So um, you, you have to consider it's like wh- whether or not things are going well all the time. And it's like, obviously he dealt with a lot of things, um, but he, he added a lot of positive aspects to baseball that we just I don't know. I don't know if we've seen out of Rob Manfred yet. Obviously, Manfred's tenure has been quite, um, quite less long. But it's like Bud Selig it has changed baseball forever. It's like interleague play. Um, you know the, the different divisions he, he changed into uh, make make created wild cards. You know, it's like he was the commissioner when the Expos left and went to the Nat- uh, Washington became the Nationals, who are now, uh, you know, they're, they're champions. Jackie Robinson Day. It's like. Meanwhile, we're seeing Rob Manfred struggle to even be able to put together a, a, I mean, like even relevant conversation to have a season this year. So um, I think we'll go with Rob Manfred as the worst. Do you have any other differing opinions than me here? No, I definitely agree with Rob Manfred. I mean, we literally just talked about baseball like two minutes ago. So there you go. That's all my analysis on why Rob Manfred's not. We'll take it. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, but no, actually, I will throw in a little bit uh, else here. Bud Selig, obviously, he had like strikes and steroids was the big issue, but I feel like there's just issues with Ron Manfred. I mean, obviously, the Astros cheating scandal, I think that's more significant as well. And just the fact that these negotiations have gone so smoothly and they're so far apart, like we've been talking about, I mean, I think Manfred could be doing a better job. But um, yeah, kind of an interesting question there. I don't know how many people are really that anti Bud Selig, but 
Uh, yeah, Rob Manfred. Definitely, especially at time of this question, I would go with he's being a worst commissioner overall. So uh, thanks for that question. I appreciate that. I'll go with our next one uh, from Owen. Obviously, one of our buddies, he asks questions regularly. This one relates not to sports, but Donnie, I will go, got a question for you. Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts? What do you got? Quick answer. Let's go. Well, um, you know, I had Tim Hortons when I was in Canada in Ottawa visiting Owen. I'll take whatever I got from Tim Hortons the three days that we were there over anything I've ever got in at Dunkin' in my life. I'm sorry if that bothers you. Uh, mostly Northeastern people. Uh, I apologize if this is going to upset you. Please do not stop listening to the podcast because I'm not a big Dunkin' fan. Uh, I'll take Tim Hortons. What's your thought here? Okay, there you go. It's pretty much Leafs versus Bruins, basically, this question. Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts. I will say, obviously, living in the Midwest, we don't have Tim Hortons readily available, so Dunkin' Donuts is my go-to. So from that perspective, I'll go with Dunkin'. But yeah, when we were in Ottawa in January, I mean, Tim Hortons was pretty solid. The Timbits, the Bagels, they're legit. So um, funny question there. I mean, I guess we'll just continue with the with the food theme. We got another question here, at jpaws underscore on Twitter. My buddy Josh, fellow Birds fan, he says, when you don't have milk at your disposal, golden Oreos or regular Oreos? So that's, I don't know if your answer would change if you did or did not have milk available, Donnie, but between golden and, and regular Oreos, what do you got? Uh, I think the regular Oreos are classic. However, I do think I would like the golden Oreos more if it wasn't for milk. I'm not a big Oreo guy in the first place, but I do think the vanilla, uh, I think golden Oreos are vanilla sandwich cookies instead of the the chocolate sandwich cookies. And it's like, yeah. it's a little change of pace. It's, it's a nice little positive change of pace, nice little bump there. So uh, I'll, I'll go off the board and go golden Oreos. Obviously, I don't think other people would agree. Uh, yeah, that's like a sleeper pick. I feel like I feel like the Golden Oreos it's it's kind of like the under the radar guy, maybe like maybe like the third liner that's like that just puts you over the edge. But I don't know. I I'm not a huge Oreo guy either to go with you. I mean, usually I would go double stuff if I had to choose. Um I don't really have Golden Oreos very often. I, I can't even remember the last time I did. It's been a while. So, I'll go with regular Oreos, but I mean, I don't I don't have a significant uh opinion on that. It's kind of funny that you asked the question when you don't have milk available. I mean, like yeah, usually you have milk with Oreos, but like it's like only in a situation where the milk's out they, like that's the only way we want to ask but, but this i appreciate that yeah I it's the thought that that's what i'm talking about yeah. absolutely that's what we're looking what for we're here looking. absolutely absolutely yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> all right all right donnie we got a few more questions what why don't you pick one out here you know uh we'll go with brett's question at barzell nhl who's the goat messi ronaldo uh i don't know how well you are um equipped to answer this question considering you're not a big soccer guy uh but give it give it your best shot throw me throw me your answer what you got for me okay I mean, you're right. I'm not the biggest soccer guy. Obviously, I'm familiar with both of these men, Leonardo, Leonardo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. So I know I know okay. their countries as well. Messi, Spain, and Ronaldo, Portugal. So there you go. They're right next to each other on the map. But I'm going to go with Messi for this. I think Messi's goader than Ronaldo. I feel like Ronaldo, he just gets points because like, he looks really attractive. So everybody's like, oh, Ronaldo's goat. And he like has like these flashy goals. But I feel like Messi's like, actually the goat. Like Messi's the best soccer player. Yeah, you know, um, Messi has uh, he, he's taken Spain over uh, with Barcelona. Uh, he hasn't really done – Argentina's been tough uh, as his national team. They haven't really done much. Oh, yeah, much, he's Argentina. He and Suarez, right? Yeah, he and Suarez are the Argentines. Yeah, yes. There we go. Yes. My, my um, 2010 FIFA World Cup knowledge coming in right there. Yes. I, I'm proud of you for that one. Um, I don't know. It, it really is. It doesn't really matter, honestly. I think this is just another one of those things that people argue about for no reason. It's like LeBron versus Jordan or like, I don't know, uh, uh, Brady's better than everybody basically at this point in the NFL. So it's like, there's not really a question there, but it's like, um, it, it's, it's apples or oranges. It's what you prefer. It's like, I, I'll take, I'll take Messi because I think he's a better, uh, offensive, like, um, possession generator. I think he, they score more, uh, than what Ronaldo does on, on the field. Also, Ronaldo's got a couple years on him still. So it's like we, we could see Messi um, accomplish a lot of things moving forward. Um, I, I don't know. I think the question 
primarily is just like it's a pissing contest. It's the same as LeBron or Jordan. I don't know if anybody's ever been on Twitter and seen the LeBron versus Michael Jordan argument. Um, it's just fuckery. It's you know it's people spewing stupid shit that nobody really cares about, and there's never going to be a true answer because you always have a set opinion and you're not going to change your opinion. It's the same with this. Um, it depends. I think Messi's uh, Messi's talent level is more special considering he is five foot seven and not uh not physically gifted like ronaldo is he's just uh insane on the ball i think ronaldo is like six two six three so it's like much more suited to be a dominant uh, athlete uh than if you're five seven i think five seven soccer players probably have a little bit more of an issue you know getting it done but yeah it's like it's it's apples or oranges here it's like you're gonna get a great player regardless messi's looking for like a, a 10th or 11th la liga title um so i mean it's like he's he's not really struggling right now he's dominated his league for for how many years and it's like it doesn't look like it's slowing down at all either uh, i know people were upset when it's he said he's gonna retire uh international and then he came back so <laughs> uh, i i still think this is something that you need to look at when they both retire and go over the career and everything but at this point it's like I'll, I'll take Messi by a hair just because he's shorter and he represents the short kings that deserve more respect than what they get Wow, I, I love that answer, honestly. But yeah, I mean, actually, the logical answer, you were correct. Like, we don't know until they actually retire. Then we can have the debate after that. But I mean, I'll, I'll take I the mean, short especially, answer, so I like it. Especially considering Messi's 32 and Ronaldo's 35. It's like, you know, it's like there's it's a little bit of a difference there. It's like three years, a lot of time for Messi to do whatever the fuck he wants, honestly. Like, he could absolutely tear it up uh, these next couple of years. He could win a, win a World Cup, and then people would be sitting there like, wow, this, this is my GOAT. So, Yeah, I buy it. I like it. All right, next question. We got two more here. This one from at Primal Mayhew Vin, also a Rangers fan, so shout out to Donnie. He says, thoughts on up-and-coming prospect Vin Chiafalo. I don't know if I pronounced your last name right, but if I did, there you go. I mean, I, th- I, I will say I know Vin as a man who plays MLB, the show, online in Diamond Dynasty. So if we're talking about Diamond Dynasty Vin, I like it. I'm buying on the prospect. But if we're talking about pickup goaltender Vin, then I'm, I'm probably not picking picking like drafting buying stock in in the goaltender version of him donnie what do you think yeah you know it's i did i took the liberties and did the research i know he played sports in high school so i looked up i found his huddle page um oh his height gosh. and weight he's listed he's listed as as a uh tackle or defensive tackle for the for the new hyde park memorial high school uh football team uh he was listed at five five two twenty. um i i do believe that you need to get a little bit more height there if, if you do plan on on making the pros um you know, it's like start stretching your legs out. I don't know. I don't know if you're gonna grow anytime soon. I don't know if you stop growing, but uh, I do think it, it. The next step for you is just getting that 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 body, getting the height there, and then you know, you never know. You really never know what could happen. It's like you know, Vin. Uh, if you put the dedication in, maybe you're becoming like the next superstar in, in the National Football League or whatever you want to do. It's like I, uh, I, I'm here to support your dreams and your goals here. So we'll go with it. I love that Vin just pretty much decided to ask a question that was pretty much just like talk about me is basically what his question was. So honestly, I really respect that. That is a phenomenally done question. Nobody else has done that. So shout out to Vin, obviously. That's really how it's done. So there we go. We I didn't know we were going to get huddle knowledge. So shout out to Donnie, obviously. He knows what's going on with, with Vin's freaking like, oh, yeah. life, I guess. Donnie.com. Donnie.com goes hard. Just, just know that. Donnie.com goes hard. Yep. All right. Uh, Last question, our buddy Dan, he says, thoughts on Timo Warner to Chelsea? So I guess we're getting a lot of soccer love, Donnie. You're going to have to carry all the analysis. What do you got for him? Uh, I, I can carry the analysis on this one. Um, I, my dad's a Liverpool fan. Uh, he looked like he wanted to go to Liverpool, and, and but things fell apart a little bit here and there. So he has to settle for second-rate uh, soccer team Chelsea, who's, who's nearly uh, not, not nearly as talented. 
um not as fun nobody really cares about chelsea it's like you know dan he's, he's just there um but yeah he wanted to go to liverpool liverpool is clearly the best team in the premier league right now they had 82 points in 29 games whereas chelsea had 48 points in 29 games so it's like uh as, as much of a difference as he will make for that roster you know it's still like he's gonna always be thinking about going to liverpool and always want to go to liverpool so that should be in the back of your head dan um whenever you think about him on the pitch for you just remember he wanted to go to liverpool he didn't want to be part of chelsea great i mean well said i genuinely have nothing to add that was that was well done. Great job. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like I, I you don't have to be educated to be able to to chew out Dan on, on his uh his question, looking for me to hype him up or, or make him smile for a second. It's like, no, I'm gonna come back at you with a, a negative answer and make you reassess your question for, for next time. So that that's what we're here for. I like it. I like it. Well, I mean, I think that pretty much concludes all we had. That was all of our questions. So big shout out to everybody who is still listening at this point. Obviously, like if you thought long enough that you're like, wow, I'm going to I'm going to keep listening to these guys. You're at this point of the podcast. You made it. Way to go. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Obviously, thank you to everybody who asked a question as well. But Donnie, I want you to say farewell to everybody who's listening today and wish everybody a good day. Yeah, you know, it's like everybody came out um, that's listening still. You got opinions on uh, Oreos and Golden Oreos. You got opinions on uh, Vin Chiafalo. Uh Tim Hortons or Duncan was a good question. Uh, we got to talk about soccer players, um, which I'm sure the majority of people listening are probably not very big on soccer considering our audience is very American and soccer is not huge here. Um, we also got to talk about a little bit about the Masterton, which I think is uh, is an interesting topic this year, especially because there's been so many guys that have come over, uh, overcome some some insane um, detrimental things to their life. It's like Oscar Limbaugh is still fighting cancer. Like props to him for, uh, you know, uh, just just putting his whole heart into things because I've seen multiple quotes on him saying he wants to return to hockey as soon as possible. So it's like um, if that's not dedication and perseverance, I don't know what is. But, yeah, thank you to everybody who listened. Um, there was a lot of talk on Iowa football. So if you have any comments on that or anything else we talked about, feel free to leave it uh, in the comments. Um uh, or or tweet at us at Roth Podcast at Rogue Two Three at Donnie and the Horn. Uh, feel free to follow us. Leave us any questions you have for next week, and we will answer uh, as soon as possible. Uh, this should be coming out uh, probably Saturday. Uh, I think that's June thirteenth, and we'll be back at you next week with another podcast. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for listening, and I think we will be back at at you next week uh, with another podcast, unless nothing happens, which there's definitely potential for at this point, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's always that chance. I mean, that's kind of what's going on right now. It's very much go with the flow. I mean, I didn't expect Iowa football to completely blow up since our last podcast last week, but that's what happened. So, I mean, here we are. Yeah, uh, have a great weekend or whenever you're listening to this. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. Peace, everybody. Peace. You can get it, you can get it, you can get it, you can get it. And I know just, know just, know just, know just, know just what you want. Poetic justice. Put it in the song, alright. You can get it, you can get it, you can get it, you can get it. And I know just know just know just know just know just what you